Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. Today, we are talking Tress of the Emerald Sea. This is the first secret project of 2023 uh, by Brandon Sanderson. If you have not read it, turn back now. Uh, if you have, then we will continue. But yes, we do plan on spoiling the entire thing. I am your host, Craig, and over there on the couch, I've got no fewer than three people today. Ryan, Stephanie, Hi. and Megan. Hey, buddy. So Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, say I, I want you to say I, I want you to say um, spore me up right nice so that people will know what your voice is compared to mine. Yeah, spore me up right nice. There, you, okay, yeah, that, that's <laughs> I regret having asked that. And <laughs> Stephanie, would you like it in some accents or something? I'm happy to do it however you want me to do it. Stephanie, I want you to yeah. say something in a pirate voice. R. <laughs> Oh, did you want more than that? <laughs> no. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. And there's Megan. <laughs> what is the pirate's favorite letter? Oh, gosh. Here we go. It's a trap. It's you, a trap. I know. You I know. think it'd be R, but it's really the C. C. Yeah. yeah. Hi, everybody. Now, I, now <laughs> I regret bringing any of you <laughs> into this episode, honestly. For first, it was just Ryan. You thought yeah. we were going to behave. I, honestly, you know what it was? I... I I haven't been feeling my best today. Uh, I've been feeling a little under the weather, a little, just like kind of a little off. And I was thinking about taking this episode off and just saying, you know what? The three of you can handle this. And now I know that would have been the right choice. (laughs) (laughs) But really, when was the last time the four of us were in studio together? Well, there you go. I could have hung out. Like years. Anyway. Tress in the Emerald Sea. Uh, Like I said, this is the first of the secret projects. So as people may recall, the the giant record setting record shattering uh was it GoFundMe Kickstarter or Kickstarter uh, by Brandon Sanderson um, and this was the first book that was released based on that so there are going to be four this year we waited to do this for a while uh, because we wanted everybody to get their books uh, and when you set records like that and have hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people buying your book suddenly logistics becomes a nightmare. And so the Dragonsteel team, uh, Brandon's team, had some trouble getting everybody their books on time. And so we held off. I'm pretty sure everybody's got their book now. So here we are talking about Tress. Uh, Let's see. Oh, a little bit of background, just so that people know, I might end up being a little bit quieter than normal. (laughs) We'll see. No one one believes this, but... (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. Just because uh, I I was uh, a beta reader for this book. I didn't do the other three, so I can be full-throated in those episodes. That's great. Um, but there are going to be times when we'll be talking about something, and I won't be sure whether I'm remembering the beta version or the real version, and I'll clam up. Yeah. <laughs> so be prepared for that. Uh, anyway. But, no, I was going to say, Ryan, um, I had the episode with... Um, uh, Leopoldo Gu, okay, mm-hmm. this uh, Mexican author. He lives in New York City, and we had a great conversation about his experience as a, an author and a filmmaker and all this stuff. Um, it, it the episode was like an hour long. Mm-hmm. I think I spoke for about six minutes. Wow. Yeah, I think it was a record, and people <laughs> definitely noticed on Discord. <laughs> so we'll see if we can set any other records today. Before we do set those records, please, everybody, go to thelegendarium.com. Check out the links there for Discord, for Patreon, et cetera, et cetera. The housekeeping done. Tress. Okay. Where do mm. we want to start with this? We want to try and provide a summary real quick of the, the events? Well, Tress, how about this? 
we don't we don't have a prepared we don't have ken here so there's no sorry <laughs> um tress is a fairy tale as told by hoyd but it's a much more detailed fairy tale mm-hmm. we're used to hoyd telling fairy tales in the stormlight archive this was this is essentially the same thing but it's an extended narrative that includes himself he's a character in the story and the teller of the story mm-hmm. and it follows tress who is an island girl on a planet where uh, the seas are, instead of water, they are spores. Uh, And in fact, if the spores come in contact with water, they instantly change into something. She lives in the Emerald Sea, which if if the emerald spores are touched by water, they become vines, for instance. There's a Crimson Sea where if it's incredibly dangerous because if water touches those spores, they turn into giant spikes that will murder you to death <laughs> um anyway so that's the planet she lives on she falls in love with a uh, lord's son on the island lord finds out ships the boy off he's captured by a sorceress and tress decides to go save the boy that she loves and she joins a pirate ship and eventually through a whole lot a whole lot a whole lot of events and hijinks <laughs> catches up we'll get to like we all the, the hij- first 220 pages and now and then the like, everything happens pages. and now the last 20 pages <laughs> where she gets to go and try and save her boy she 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 catches up to the sorceress and finds out that all was not as she thought during this entire voyage mm-hmm. um she does end up rescuing her boy and uh, goes home to the island to live happily ever after. Now we should talk about the stuff in the book. Uh, but <laughs> Megan, let's start with you. Did you like it? Did Overall, give me a, did you like the book? Um, sure. I... <laughs> this is not and most people's your reaction. Resounding, <laughs> your resounding recommendation. Sure. I, uh, I didn't love it. I liked it okay. I kind of felt like it was kind of forgettable. Hmm was me okay i will have more to say and everybody will be like what she's saying so many nice things i'm like yeah there's a lot of good in this book i just didn't it didn't but grab me overall me personally it didn't grab me okay stephanie i enjoyed it okay good for you <laughs> now good for you. here's the thing okay, here's the thing sorry, i was not being sarcastic <laughs> both of you like if if i were to draw a line like a 50 percent line this is the you know I, I, the fence line. I liked it or I didn't like it. Both of you are just kind of like falling over one side <laughs> or the other. It kind of sounds like, right? No, I really enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Was it as deep as some of his other books? No, but that's fine. It doesn't have to be, but I found it entertaining. I really liked Hoyd's voice as the narrator. I found him funny and witty and Hoyd-like. <laughs> Hoydy. See, and I Oy. thought there was too much Hoyd, so I kind of struggled a little bit. <laughs> how do you feel a about Hoyd? Hoyd goes a long way. Like, you, how, what are your feelings about Hoyd in general? I think it's a really cool character, but I think what I like about Hoyd is the mystery of it. And so get like the more we get to know him, the more I'm like, no, he's a really cool character. But also, like, I, I think it kind of it hit me weird that it was the story about this girl, but actually you get to the end and it's actually a story about Hoyd. So then at that point, I went, oh, it makes sense why he's telling the story. But then I wondered what he was talking to. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, just, I would assume that someone who has a bad taste in their mouth with Hoyd in general would probably struggle with this book a little bit. He just seems but. so smug and so smarmy the whole time. It's like, oh, look at how awesome and entertaining I am telling this story. And I was ridiculous wearing my white socks with sandals. I'm like, oh, wait, are you talking about Hoyd or Brandon? 
<laughs> Mostly Hoyd. <laughs> I, it helped me when I realized that it was Hoyd telling the story and I went, oh, okay, so much is making sense right now. But before then I was kind of like, wow, Brandon, tone it down, my man. I love Brandon Sanderson. I'm never going to meet him. It's fine. <laughs> have you not met Brandon yet? No. Oh, my. Okay, we'll rectify that, I'm sure, oh, at no. some point. Oh, no, you don't want <laughs> to? With this episode, I'm we're going to play sure, this for I'm him. I'm pretty sure if I'd <laughs> ever met him, I would clam right up, and I would just stand there like a dope, and I'm that would sure be just I'm pretty sure that's how I was when I met him, yeah. so I just I don't know what awkwardly. I would say to Mr. Sanderson, Brando Sando. <laughs> that's what you should say. It's nice to meet you, Brando Sando. <laughs> He's heard worse. Sounds like a Star Wars yeah. character. I read the Wired article. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, overall. Overall, I think this book hit exactly what it was aiming to do in terms of being a standalone. I mean, yes, it's in the Cosmere, but it's it's a it is not something that is deep lore. You have to know everything. It's not really driving the Cosmere story forward. Um, but just a standalone, enjoyable story inside the universe. I think it hits exactly the mark that it's aiming to hit. I really enjoyed the adventure. I loved the, uh, you know, he, I think he does a great job giving, you know, great quirks to good characters. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to see species and people that we know uh, in their, this is viewed in a different way is kind of fun. For example, the, uh, uh, the chef, mm-hmm. the chef that they call a zombie. Um, He's the doctor. The doctor's a zombie. It's always wanting to buy the body parts. We're like, Dr. oh, Long. yeah, we know. We know you're a chondra, but someone else might see that person as a zombie. I'm like, oh, that's right. the the universe doesn't see everything the way that I see it from having read Mistborn or having read this. So it's interesting to see how these people would be viewed in different worlds or different setups. So I I think there was some really fun things to explore there, and just in general, you know, I don't think it ever tried to get too grandiose, too big, too crazy. But it the the adventure was really enjoyable and really you know believable. And, as much as you uh, believable as a fantasy story like this is, is so <laughs> on the spore oceans. Yes. Although that does bring up the fun of Brandon's imagination. We've talked about this on a lot of previous episodes. His ability to come up with a bizarre and yet believable, <laughs> in air quotes, uh, magic system is unparalleled, and it's on full display here. Mm-hmm. Who comes up with a spore ocean with different colors and? You know, all the, the different abilities of the sport. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's way out of left field. Nobody thinks like this, you know. And so this yeah. is one of Brandon's great gifts. Well, and I love with that he'll come up with rules and then he sticks by them. He's like, the thing about the vines is you can actually predict if you do this much water, this is how much it'll grow. It's like, like it's it's just kind of fascinating and cool the way he thinks this through. Yeah. And then he follows through with it and he just... He sticks with it. I like it. And yeah, and that's a style that if somebody came and said, oh, it's too rigid, it's too rules-based or math-based or science-based for me or whatever, that's fair. You know, everybody likes different flavors. I know other authors wish that he hadn't kind of embedded this sort of uh, hard magic system <laughs> as yeah. the norm today because they would like to do more soft magic systems. Systems, But, uh, and I, I know he's... He's the cart, not the horse, but mm-hmm. uh, but he's definitely uh, established it firmly that that is what people expect these days and in th- most of fantasy, I think. I think with what the way he's written this is one reason why I liked Hoyd as the narrator, because the voice that he has given Hoyd as he narrates through this is by someone who, like us as readers of the Cosmere, 
understand the abilities of all these other worlds. Mm -hmm. We understand the magic systems that Brandon has created. And so having Hoyt as your narrator who also understands these, and he's sitting here going, and he's talking about the spore ocean and how it works. And he's like, well, how do you know your world isn't the odd one with water and all these other worlds have spore oceans? Like, I enjoyed hearing Hoyt tell these story, this story with his worldly wor world worlds leave you universally sure Worldwide. whatever um multi world i don't know anyway um with perspective his, yeah with yeah. his perspective as this massive character as opposed to just hearing from like the same story told from tress's point of view yeah where we've we've had those kind of stories where you have a character's point of view in their limited viewpoint and this is just it's fun hearing someone bigger I guess. Well, it's, and I, I also appreciate that Hoyd, like he is really crazy smart, but he is able to talk about these things in a way that a marginally smart person like I can actually understand, <laughs> which I appreciate. <laughs> Thanks for explaining that in a way that like it's still highfalutin and kind of wild and takes me a minute to sit with it, but I understood it. Well, on, on both of those notes, actually, um, it's a long-standing complaint in science fiction that when humans come across aliens, they're they're just other humans. Right. Yeah. Oh, you got lizard skin. Great. Okay. Whatever. You know. They, but they talk, think, and act like humans, which I, for philosophical reasons, makes all sorts of sense. Why do we tell <laughs> stories? You know, it's to understand ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if you dig into it, it's like, why in the world would the universe spit out just the same? kind of you know uh, infinite human, possibility human morality and intelligence yeah. and all that stuff like it, things can get crazy so brandon i mean he has not totally broken with that you know this is about people and it's about human issues and all that but he takes one little toe and puts it over that line into no hey why not why not a, a planet with a bunch of freaking spores well, making like the storm oceans the stormlight archive where they don't really have like dogs but they have dog like beetles that are really big that people treat like dogs <laughs> right axe hounds yeah. yeah yeah that's right uh anyway so uh let's see what am, what am i gonna say i uh, i guess to answer my own question overall i i enjoyed it i like that it was for brandon a very very simple and straightforward narrative where we're not following uh, a whole bunch of different points of yeah. view. They, we're just we're with Tress. We're with Tress the whole time, and that's it. Uh, and so for a for a Cosmere book, that is refreshing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I really like that he did that. Um, I will say the pacing of the book was a little bit uh, uh, sluggish in the like second act for me. It mm -hmm. took them way too long to get to the Crimson Sea, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, so, so there were things about it that I'm like, ah, yeah, man, yeah, I, I might have changed this or that or the other. Um, but by the time I got to the end of it, I went, oh, you know what? That was really fun. That was just delightful. Um, it was, in fact, there was a, a um, uh, what's this thing called? Discord. There was a Discord comment. <laughs> Your phone? <laughs> <laughs> My phone. Coding Foo says, does knowing that Brandon wrote this for his wife affect your reading of yes. the book? Okay, how so? Absolutely. Uh, because I'm sitting there looking for, I, I don't know Brandon and his wife. I don't know their relationship. 
But for me, I'm looking through and seeing if there's any tells in the story of like, I'm trying to say something to you or whatever. I'm, I'm looking for that in my, in my list, in my read, like, what are, is, is there something about these two characters? So especially at the beginning when Tress and, um, what's his bucket? The Charlie, Charlie. Yeah. When their, their interactions and the way they see each other and the way, the way they talk to each other. And I sit there and I envision like, is this how you guys see yourself Is your wife, Tress and you're Charlie in this, like. Is that the case? My, I, for me, that's just part of the read through is knowing that, that was the case, just looking for those little messages because you don't write someone a story that has no connection to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's just not, that's not, I don't think that's the way he works. I don't think it's the way most people would work. So I, I wanted to try and get an insight into the author and, and, his, and his family, I guess, a little bit in this book. Did I find much? I don't know. His, <laughs> wife, his wife is hardworking and Brandon talks too much. Is that kind of I, <laughs> Brandon tells a good story. I, yeah, I wondered at the beginning of the book, especially like you say, uh, their relationship as it's presented in the beginning, if there's some measure of Brandon in Tress mm-hmm. uh, with the, the, or with the cups, right? We're fascinated yeah. mm-hmm. by cups and, mm-hmm. and he has that kind of uh, ability to zero in on something and, um, and kind of become obsessive, and uh, he he's even talked about how he struggles with um, you know emotion, displaying emotion, understanding emotion, and and how those the characters in the beginning of the book are obviously helping each other with um, they're they're complementing each other. How, mm-hmm. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the way I should put it. And so I don't know Brandon and Emily well enough to say like oh okay so here's his characteristics and here are her characteristics i'm not gonna necessarily go there but i suspect that there's something there and then in her journey to um to rescue him uh and in their interactions together during that entire journey spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) um there are i'm sure clues there into how he and she um interact mm-hmm. and what what love is to them sure so. and even if not like it could just be a story he thought that would make her laugh it would be charming that oh i i can it's, see my friends in these I, people that she meets and i wonder about that maybe too. that's just something yeah. that she i would know enjoy. there was something in a conversation that he was talking to his wife about the princess bride and i oh, think yeah. she's the one who mentioned something about like well why didn't buttercup go after him or something like that and so maybe the only connection is that this is your question yeah. i'm answering in the story Entirely possible. Which is one of my favorite things about the book is that, you know, so often in a story about a guy, like a woman is kidnapped or dies or something, and that's what starts his story. And in this one, it's the guy that's kidnapped and the woman goes after him and they both get to learn and grow. And I'm sorry, I bumped. No, no, not you. Stephanie, your feet. (laughs) You're kicking the table. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you? Sorry. Uh, Anyway, so I I think I'm with you on that. Mm -hmm. Um, That was... My other follow-up thought was maybe it's just this is what she wanted out of the Cosmere. Simple <laughs> enough. Who knows? Uh, hey, Brandon, give us a call. <laughs> Let us know. Does he listen to this podcast? No. Do we need to re-record the beginning part where I was like, I don't love the book? <laughs> no. Now I'm scared. Because I'm sure he cares greatly. My He's going to is- write a story with a character named Megan that's spelled like M-E-G-H-E-I-N-Q. It's going to be the worst. Uh, no, Brandon does not listen to this show. And okay. even if he did, I, I think of it like uh, the Robin Hobb thing where I've 
voiced my desire to have Robin Hobb on for like a, an author shelf series sure. or maybe come spin the, the wheel of tangents or something like it seems like she'd be really fun to talk to. And people come back and be like, but you didn't like the Farseer trilogy. And I'm like, if Robin Hobb can't take that, yeah. <laughs> I'd be shocked. You know, well, like, and he, if he listens to the podcast, he knows I'm a fan. <laughs> Just this one didn't grab me. I think you'll be all right. I'll stop. Uh, okay, so let's let's go to another Discord comment here. Uh, <laughs> Lone Wolf Lunar says, "How disappointed were you when the print didn't have the chapter numbers in color?" <laughs> so, not not my audiobook definitely had him in green. <laughs> Made a point of that. Yeah, announced green chapter three, yellow <laughs> chapter five. Yes, it's uh, that is. I will say that is one thing that if you listen to it on audiobook or you uh, do the Kindle edition or whatever, you're not going to get this specific thing that's really fun mm-hmm. where in the printed book, I don't know if you guys have looked through it. I have it. looked through the printed book. Yeah. Um, I just haven't. In the printed book, when they are on the green sea, the chapters are green. All the, the highlighted colors are green. Cool. And then as soon as you move into the crimson sea, everything is red. Red and spiky. Yep. And so, yeah, then in the the very last part of it, it's all black, which, that, you know, hey, oh. thanks for making it easier to print 10% of the book, if that. <laughs> yeah. That so. is uh, actually something that's pretty consistent across most of his Cosmere books, uh, especially Stormlight, where if you want to know what chapter you're going into, just look at the artwork on the chapter heading, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you it's a Kaladin chapter, it's a whatever, because if it's bridge four, you'll see the spears up if it's, uh, you know, Shalon, it's something like the artwork. Certainly, there. certainly see Ryan's spears up once we get to Bridge Four. <laughs> he loves new that information. Stuff. That is so cool. Yeah, just go look through it. You'll see that. It's, okay. Uh, it took oh, the first time I caught onto that. I was like, oh, this is great. But I've listened to it so often that I don't really. It's like, I like I don't them. know how often I've picked up one of his books and actually looked at the physical book. Yeah, you're a you're pretty much audio only, right, Stephanie? Yeah, that's all I have time for. I wouldn't get through them if I had to sit down and read them. Yeah. Well, you know, you say that, but then. I'll have to ask you how many shows you've watched, how many movies you've watched, and how many times you've been to Disneyland this year. And then I'll be like, yeah, you got time to read. But I can't do any, I can't read while I do any of that. Like I can have shows playing in the background when I work. I can have books playing in the background when I work. (laughs) I just can't physically read one. Really all I'm doing, Stephanie, is I am teeing up our Discord listeners to come and just savage you in the comments for only doing audiobooks. Which they won't do because they're extremely kind. I was like, so. but they like me. <laughs> As they should. <laughs> I think they like me. It's like, you're defended by Kip, so you're you're good. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> you're you'll safe. be just fine. Okay, so I've got two um, Discord comments here. I'm going to give you one, give you time to think about it, and then I'll give you the other one. Okay, so Jingles90 says, what other kinds of spores would you like to see in the Cosmere? What would they do? Okay, so think about that. What kind of spores? What color would they be? What powers would they have? Whatever, okay? So think about that for a little while. And uh, the next question is from Huronfan, who says, how reliable is the narrator? And who do you (laughs) think the audience was? That's an interesting question that I don't have an immediate answer for. Like Megan and I kind of talked about that a little bit yesterday when we went out to dinner together is to when it's Hoyt's point of view and the way that he's telling the story, like where did he get his details from? Is this something that he's just seen and he just observed all of this in his 
senseless state that he's <laughs> rethinking things through? Or is this something like Tress has told him this, like yeah. what her experience was and he's retelling it or whatever. Yeah, he seems to have a lot of insight into what she's thinking and what she's feeling a lot of the time. Um, so I can see him extrapolating that, but also it's, it's interesting because most of the time when Hoyd tells a story throughout most of the rest of the Cosmere, he has like a moral or like a point to the story or something that people are supposed to learn. And that's not necessarily true in this case. Like, I'm not sure if he's telling the story to be entertaining, in which case, like maybe, or if he's telling the story, like another thing I was, cause I saw that comment. Another thing I thought of is maybe he's telling the story to, um, like the other sorcerers to tell them, this is how I got my power back or like how I became a part of the in-group that he apparently joined at the end of this book. I didn't necessarily understand <laughs> all of that. Um, I don't know. That was kind of my thought about it. Yeah. Ryan, what do you think? I, Hoyt is both a very unreliable and a reliable narrator. Yeah. Um, I was going to say unreliable and highly entertaining narrator. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the reason I say he's both is because none of the senses or things that were taken from him would be things that would remove his ability to remember or keep what happened there. He still carries his heightenings. He still carries, you know, I don't remember, you know exactly where he is in the journey. I don't remember, but he's carrying a lot with him, which would allow him to retain most of this, plus being whatever he already was. Does he have metal mines and all that stuff? I, I don't remember, but the, the sen the, I, I did think that was hilarious. The, the story when he says that she removed my five senses, but mm -hmm. not those senses, but you know, my sense of style, my sense of humor, my like that sort of thing. Like that was sense yeah. of decorum. I, the best was my sense of taste. No, 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 not, not that, that taste. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I like that, but I think in that sense, Hoyt absolutely can retell this story. I do believe he is talking to us in general because how often he references and does things like the, well, maybe your world's the weird one. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing like that's, that feels like it's fourth wall breaking specifically. When he names everyone Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Every world has a Doug. And when you hit that point in society, it's there's nowhere to go but down from that. <laughs> Once you're naming people Doug. Everyone and is Doug. I immediately went through all the people that I know named Doug and went, mm -hmm. oh, dear. <laughs> Are they Doug? <laughs> but yeah. So Hi, hi Uncle Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Society's about to crumble because we have Dougs. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of the unreliable narrator in the audience, I, I do think that that that's kind of where it is um but to other spores in the cosmere man you could play with some whoa, whoa, whoa. hang on hang on okay. i want to do the hoid thing because i'll tell you what i i don't go into a book on the lookout for the unreliable narrator thing it's right. it's just i understand that this is a thing that authors do but for whatever reason i've never like sought it out or spotted mm -hmm. it whatever uh, in this one, what made me chuckle and go, okay, all right, Hoyd, were the moments when Hoyd plays the key, pivotal, heroic role. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> so when she is, um, when Tress is despondent and I, I can't go on, I don't understand, uh, you know, like the why and the wherefore of my mission and all this stuff. And, and he's the guy who comes in and offers just the right little just the right word of wisdom to keep her going you know and he's the guy who makes everything come together in the end like he's the uh he's the fulcrum that the entire lever of the story turns on or, or whatever um 
And so there were those moments where, as I realized, you know, like you, Megan, as when I realized that Hoyd was telling the story and then I came across those moments, I went, okay, sure, sure, man. Yeah, that's how it happened. To be fair, though, in this particular story, to be fair, in this particular story, all of the characters that we get to know that aren't named Doug um, all have their part to play and everybody is important at some point, like, and they do something that nobody else can really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Hoyt can do anything, he can talk. So he could give you like that piece of advice. And most of the time it's in like a weird parable where you take from it what you need. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, when he gets to the very end and he becomes a sorcerer and he saves the day, I was kind of like, okay, Hoyt. But the rest of the time, I wasn't annoyed by his antics necessarily because he... Because everybody had a moment where they were the <laughs> where they were the focal point where they were the important one. It was like, and then Anne did this, and then Soleil did this, and then Fort had this moment. Like everybody mm. had a chance to shine in this story. Yeah, I I think if we if we just look at it, change the perspective just a little bit. I think it would help that Hoyd wants to tell the story of how he became full, like became a sorcerer, became mm-hmm. the setup here. But the truth is, he doesn't do a lot of the work to become a sorcerer. It's true. It's all through trust. So instead of being telling, writing the story of Hoyt and his journey to being a sorcerer that was mostly done by someone else, he tells Tress's story because mm-hmm. it connects him to his, yeah, to his moment there. It's very well, he couldn't do a lot on his own at that point. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I think just that little perspective on it makes it feel less of a grandiose. I'm trying to make myself look like the hero and more of a. This is how I got to this point. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those films, Emperor's New Groove or whatever, where you start in this moment and then it's just like, <laughs> no, you're probably wondering how I got here. I love that movie. That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Forgotten Disney movie. Uh, I will never forget it. Oh, I, I mean, I won't. Okay. But there was I, something else about the Hoyt thing I wanted. Oh, I and I think along the lines of like all the little things where he's always there to say that. I think Hoyt has spent most of his life perfecting the art of what he talks to Cal. I think it's Kaladin he talks to it about. Says that the most dangerous man is like, like the, it talks about nudging the boulder is what it is. There are men who try and uh, push the boulder, whatever. But it's the the smartest men, the ones who try and change the world, nudge it just a little bit here. They just look there, and then you know if you don't do that, you get flattened. The only way to truly do it is to just nudge it here and there. And so all of his interactions, uh, even in this book with Tress and everyone, is. It's a nudge. It's a little moment where it's like, I can't come in and just say or do anything. And he, this is the way he works. Uh, I can only nudge. I can only tell the story that will move someone in the right direction. I will just, because if I, if I take direct action, then I open myself up to danger. Uh, that's mm-hmm. Stormlight setup where the more, when Hoyd gets active in things, then he opens himself up to danger. So, yeah. I, I wonder if there's, <laughs> with this book especially, we're getting to know Hoyd uh, to a greater degree than we have before. Obviously, we're spending more time with him and and listening through his voice. Um, and we're it, he's always been this kind of aloof, mysterious figure who pops in and out, and you know we hear more or less from him depending on the book. Um, but there's always been that question: like, how did you get this power? How'd you get that power? How do you understand this? How long have you been around? Whatever. And this story makes me wonder if it's all going to be a giant cosmic luck. 
Because this one, it, it, spoiler alert again, you know, hopefully you've read this book and, you know, a couple of others in the Cosmere. I won't spoil the others, but in the end of this book, he becomes an Elantrian. And we find out that he becomes an Elantrian because he made a bet. Mm-hmm. Oh. He made a bet with the sorceress okay, yeah. who could make him an Elantrian. And he says, go ahead and curse me. And if I get back into the tower, you make me an Elantrian. And... It's pure luck. <laughs> I don't. Maybe it's not. I, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm misreading it. But I'm. I, I will say I'm a little bit worried because you know how it goes when you watch this show or that movie and you get to the end and it's like, okay, they, like none of this happens if you didn't trip on the third step of that staircase going <laughs> down. Whatever. Uh, I don't know. It's all just cosmic luck. See, and I was looking at it in a way of. Um... Tressa's mom at the beginning, like Tressa's like, oh, I'm not a big deal. And she's like, uh, nothing about you is not awesome. I don't know the exact quote. I can look it up. Mm-hmm. I don't need to. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's kind of in that way where she's like, no, actually, you're kind of amazing. And Tress goes out not thinking she's very special. And she, um, like you said, luckily, randomly meets these people, accidentally picks the wrong ship to get on and then ends up getting attacked by this other ship that she goes to that lets her, like. This all could be luck, but I I also firmly believe that, and I know this is fiction, but I believe that people end up where they need to be and that a lot of that is just based on who they are. Like, Tress could have stayed on that island. Tress could have stayed on the ship when it went down. Right. But she made these choices and she ends up affecting and helping all of the people around her and making them a little bit better. And they helped her to be a little bit better and to grow. And so I... There is a certain amount of luck, but there's also a certain amount of who you are fuels what you do and what happens next and affects the people around you. So it's mm-hmm. never just self-contained. Mm. And I, you know, I think about things like um, in American history, we have the founding fathers who came together and drew up the Declaration of Independence and happened to have the right people together at the right time to do this thing where 20 years before or 20 years after would not have been possible but like this happened to work out just the way it needed to and i think that happens enough in real life that i'm willing to believe it in fiction okay that's so there's this whole theme theory something earlier that i i've started i kind of ascribed to this idea that if it exists as a story it's because something went wrong somewhere or something lucky happened there (laughs) right you don't ever tell the story about how you plan to go to the bank and you went to the bank and then you went home. That's not a good story. (laughs) Somebody robbed the bank. Yeah. But if you showed up at the bank and someone robbed the bank, something went wrong, something happens there, then it becomes a story. Right. And so if you're reading a story or whatever, if you're still holding on to, well, that wouldn't happen in reality. Well, that's why it's a story. Right. It is. Why it's interesting. It became a story because something that that should not have worked out, shouldn't have happened, did. Mm -hmm. And so it's now in a, it's an extraordinary circumstance and now it's a story. Do they give us an idea of how long Hoyd has been on the pirate ship? I don't remember off the top of my head. Because I was just thinking, because when um, Tress gets the first cup, it's from Hoyd or the letter or something. Yes. Hoyd gives her something because he was on another ship. And I'm wondering kind Mm. of did maybe he had some sort of something to do with her plans to get off the island if he's yes. sh- jumping ships and stuff here and yeah. there 
there he could have easily orchestrated something which in that case wouldn't have necessarily been right black. yeah no i he could have i i can justify along with the best oh, of them yeah. including you but um just thinking thinking it through going yes would it because he just happened to be on the ship that she decided to be like that she that attacked the ship yeah, that, that, she that she was, was on. on and everything right. was like, and also the talking sure rat yeah. He is has way more hands in things, no matter what senses he's lost. Like mm-hmm. that, <laughs> he's still ridiculously smart and knows his way around any world. Like fingers and pies and irons and fires and <laughs> all that stuff. I will say, I think it's kind of funny. We have been going for what thirty-ish minutes now, twenty-seven minutes there, and it's like all hoid. Yeah, <laughs> Megan I've... gave us our like first tress. Like, tress and her mom. <laughs> And then I was like, yeah, we should probably actually talk about the main character of this story. Yeah, but he's well, yeah, well, that's, that's kind of the point of all that's this, this Hoyd talk, though, is that when you realize that Hoyd is the one telling the story, suddenly, you know, it's it's like when he's talking to Kaladin in the, in the Stormlight Archive or Shallan or whoever, and he's telling them these fairy tales. Mm-hmm. He's telling them a fairy tale with a protagonist, but he's the protagonist he is the he's the one delivering the story for a purpose uh some kind of reason so yeah i think that's what the question is that we're getting at here who are in fans question is who do you think the audience was who is he telling the story to and why it you know i agree with you yes we should absolutely talk about tress and the side characters i think there's a lot to dig into there um but i don't think it's crazy that we just spent a half hour talking about yeah. a boy. No, I don't so. think it's crazy either. I, just, <laughs> I think you're crazy. Well, that's very accurate in <laughs> most cases anyway, but... Um, okay, let's do that then. Did oh, okay. You know what? Let's, the... let's, go to, let's go to Kip Dan uh, because... The, did You asked the question about the spores and you said we'd come back to oh, it. Are oh, we not gonna, should we do that? Do we want to do that as an end of podcast thing? I don't Do you guys have answers? I got nothing. I would love to sit and think about ideas like starting to throw color spores and what would it do and what would it be and purple. I got you got to get that's my purple many, is my favorite color. So how I, many? Because isn't there twelve already on the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the twelve seas or whatever right. the twelve moons that they have. I think we know and what we know ten of them are. So many colors of mm-hmm. them. I know that their blue was mentioned, and I don't know what the spores do. Do on we know all if they're all elemental? Because I want there to be like a pink one that's all sounds. Oh, so, that would be delightful. Like it keeps throwing things, but it's like the most, obno- like it's just the most random sounds. So it's like, you know, if you're sleeping, then all of a sudden something's screaming or there's like Depending on tuba. how much water gets put on it. Yeah. It depends <laughs> on the pitch of whatever. Oh, right. Man. That could be wild. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good. That's I want really my good. pink music spores, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're all elemental, as you say, I it would be interesting. Uh, they could very easily all be connected to some shard element or something, and be like, "I'm, I cause growth because I'm connected to cultivation, you know, cultivation, and I cause aether to be formed because I'm part from this one." Like, yeah, and that's. Well, we'll come back to this question as we go. How's that? All right. If anybody thinks of one, just steamroller everybody Shout else out. and <laughs> say, "Everybody." Ooh, that makes me think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So Kiptan asks, what parts of Tress's character do you most relate to? <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> you're up first. I saw it. This isn't even me. It's actually Megan. 
Is you it? Can, what can, you can I say? You can going to break you down, Megan. Here we're going to talk about you. Actually, and your... like the first thing that came to my mind was her hair, and then I oh, thought yeah. of Megan. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's all that smile, that smirk was about was Megan and her hair. <laughs> I mean, Tress's hair is browner than mine, but I thought that too. I I will say this: um, the thing I this may be more aspirational than reality-based. I, I hope it's not, but um, but fake it till you make it mm-hmm. is like a mm-hmm. life philosophy for so many of us in the world, right? Some, some people are just, some people just have it. They just are this, that, or the other. Some of us have to fake it till we make it. And there's a comment that um, somebody makes. Is it, uh, who, who's the... The um, Chandra that we've been talking about. I can't remember. Udam. Dr. Oolong. 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 Whatever. <clears throat> he, I think it's him that makes the comment to her that uh, toward the end of the voyage, you're much more forceful than you were when you got on board. Um, and she realizes, yeah, that, that's kind of true. And as a reader, we realize that's true. And it's, uh, it's that she, in order to survive, she had to fake competence mm-hmm. or uh, a certain curiosity for things that she never would have been curious about before, how to work with spores, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Um, she had to fake it until eventually she made it, and it did reshape her character. It did reshape uh, how her self-conception. Uh, so by the end of the book, she is a very different person than she is at the beginning, just because she allows her circumstances and her journey to change her. Um, Not necessarily consciously, but over that long period of time. And I think that's a very relatable journey. I don't know if that's a character trait. I don't know if that's what Kiptan is looking for. Um, But I I guess maybe the character trait is her uh, willingness to allow that sort of change to occur. Mm -hmm. Something like that. I relate to her insecurity of her own, like her own self worth. A lot of times, like I don't always think of myself. She says very quietly. <laughs> this is what I think. But how, especially how she was at the beginning when she's talking to her parents, and her parents say, "You are so extraordinary that you appear ordinary in this world," kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like that, there everything about you is extraordinary. That that's why you don't feel special is because. You are so beyond special. Oh, this is the quote. I found it. Everything is extraordinary about everything is extraordinary about you, Tress. That's why nothing in particular stands out. Yes. So just the fact that she doesn't feel like she has that that self self worth at times, that she doesn't deserve to have the Duke's son be in love with her, mm-hmm. even though that that's exactly what she knows where she's going. But she has so many just insecurities that I'm that she's not good enough. And I, I know I deal with that on a daily basis of yeah. not feeling good enough at times. Yeah. Ryan, do you got anything? Uh, mine's very closely with yours. It's uh, dealing with that. She goes through the imposter syndrome, but then kind of realizes that, no, I am capable. That Like, that's... I, when I get thrown into new situations or things that I don't know about, I'm not one who usually says, I don't know, I'm going to get away. I'm usually one who's like, I'm going to break something, but I'll figure it out. Like I'm going right. to, I've, I've destroyed many, many things trying to figure out how it works, how to make stuff. Like that's more the way it is. I generally Tress, I didn't like, I don't connect with Tress a whole lot. Um, 
but that element of that character is one that I do relate with. Just I, I would king of BSing your way through things. Well, yes, <laughs> but uh, no, I think I, I mean, see where is, Ryan's actually, coming at. <laughs> I, I think I see where you're coming from because I I share that with you, mm. and I think a lot of people do. The imposter yeah. syndrome is something that almost everybody, except you know sociopaths, deals mm. with. Yeah. Um. We all feel that way sometimes. What sets some people apart, uh, or what sets some people apart in some situations, and maybe not others, is the ability to recognize your talent uh, or your abilities. And so, like, I, I know that I've struggled with that. Uh, and in one area, I know I have overcome it. Where I used to think I, I, I won't reveal what the thing is, but I used to think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm okay at that, but I'm not like, oh, uh, Ryan's laughing because it's going to be some. You are a very thorough lover. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm okay at that, but, uh, you know, but, but other people are so much better. And then I realize, oh no, I, I don't know that I, I'm not sure I know anybody who is better at it than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and which could come off as arrogant if you treat it wrong, and hopefully I don't, but I, but I realize that this thing is a real talent of mine. Other things, I have yet to overcome uh, that imposter syndrome. So, you know, like yeah. Ryan and I both play the piano, and I struggle to think of myself as anywhere near a decent pianist. <laughs> oh, wow. Though, like, <laughs> I'm okay, but like, yeah, but I, I really struggle with imposter syndrome on a lot of things like that. Yeah. So. I think that's really relatable. That's a great point. I love that. Um, I think for me, uh, Hoyd makes a big deal ab about Tress and her cups. And I look at that and uh, like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's kind of a dumb thing. And then I'm like, oh, I like a lot of really dumb things. But like, it's the, kind of this thing that she collects where she can look for the beauty in each one of her cups and how each of them are different. And she likes getting the cups from Charlie as he's sending them because she learns a little bit about where he's been in the culture. And for me, I relate that about how I like to go to foreign countries and then go to McDonald's at the foreign country. <laughs> like I said, dumb things. But it's a chance for me to go because I have a baseline of what I think McDonald's is. But then I go and I'm like, oh, well, England has this curry burger and <laughs> Italy has this mango smoothie. And here are these things where it's just like a little bit different. And I feel like I get to learn a little bit more about the culture yeah. and also kind of see beauty and simple things. And just like it's the little things in life that we're all quite similar in so many ways. A cup has the same function in pretty much every society. But the way they make the cup and the size of the cup and how they decorate the cup is all very different. Yeah. I, that's beautiful, Megan. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it is remarkable to go to McDonald's, say, in Europe, where mm -hmm. I've been uh, in a few different countries and see it, it's it like you say, it's a baseline. Right. But then you see just how much salt we put in our <laughs> burgers. And how big our <laughs> size of fries is. <laughs> yeah. This is a small. Okay. I love that. Um, okay. So let's yeah, I'm going to I'm going to skip the. Discord, I, why, Discord is the hardest word for me to remember. I don't know why I don't understand it, but whatever. I'm going to skip Discord comments for a second because nobody asked us about side characters. And I want to ask you guys about side characters. How did you like them? Um, how do you think Brandon is doing with his side characters? And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I bring this up is because you guys know how much I love Elantris. It's one of my favorite Cosmere books. I don't care what the haters say. I don't even care what Brandon says. 
Uh, I love that book. <laughs> and yet, I recognize when I compare that one uh, or even uh, uh, The Final Empire, you know, the first Mistborn book, I compare those to the stuff that's coming out now. His character work with his secondary and tertiary characters is so much better. They're, they're so much more interesting and flavorful. Um, and I, I feel like this wasn't his best, best effort with that, but I feel like it's a decent illustration of how far he's come as an author. Uh, and he even <laughs> gives us a shortcut, which is delightful. We've mentioned the Dugs when he says, he says, everybody else is named Doug. Don't worry about them. I'm going to tell you who you need to care about, which is, uh, it's a funny way to do it, but it's also extremely useful as a reader where he can mention that, yeah, there's a bunch of other people on this boat, but he doesn't have to give them names. He can do something funny with it. And you know exactly who you need to care about. Yeah. And it's and a it allows basic you to... name that I don't have to remember how to pronounce <laughs> it. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So you can, you can really quickly know who to latch onto and who to pay attention to. So, um, so even just that, and we can get into the actual characters themselves, but uh, even that was like, hey, cleverly done. <laughs> um, but Ryan, what did you think of the side characters, and did you have a favorite? Um, I was most impressed with the uh, ingenuity of the captain and her mm. disease, her challenge, like that. That was <laughs> unique, yeah. very cool. Um, I, I like, Yeah, Crow. Sorry, I don't remember most of the names right now. It's been... Oh, same. They're all named Doug. No, the no. so non-Ding. Let's, let's just name everyone Doug. Yeah, as far as Stephanie's concerned, they're all Doug. The captain's name is Doug. No. The doctor's <laughs> name is Doug. Um, but I do remember the captain, and I thought it was... Uh, I, I loved the setup of kind of her... Why everyone feared her, what protected her, her drive, like her mission that was driving the ship to where it was going. Um I, I thought that was really good. The the doctor is probably the one that the other one that I thought was the most interesting because it was so far that it, that interaction with people with Tress is so different than everyone else's just because of the way things were said and spoken that it just caught me the most. I was most interested in that. But mm-hmm. I there was not a side character in this that I was like, meh. They were all enjoyable. I enjoyed. I, I never found a section like, can we get past this one? Like, go talk. Go back and talk to the other one. Yeah, I never had that. So. What about you, Stephanie? Did you, anybody jump out? Is or were they all just named Doug? Fort, the galley. Fort? Mm-hmm. Could, mm-hmm. The deaf. The quartermaster. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I found it intriguing, especially listening to an audiobook, having a deaf character. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of, I don't know. So I have been raised with a disabled brother, aunts. I have lived in that world my entire life. So to have someone acknowledge and have a character that is that I guess important to the story that prevalent was nice and refreshing and so I kind of gravitated a little bit towards that and I appreciated his character and the technology that he had about being able to communicate with people I thought was kind of fun like he's carrying around this iPad Uh and (laughs) telling him what people are saying I'm like oh I got that my technology does that too so he was probably my favorite just because of my upbringing I love it. Yeah. Megan, cool. did you have anybody? Um I Fortin Oolong. Oolong was interesting to me because I found him a little bit off putting. And then I realized it was because he was so confident and arrogant. I'm like, what do I have against confident people? Can I just not <laughs> I, like I don't understand that at all? I fake it. 
People but, people who have been asking why Megan hasn't been on the show as much, I I, I apparently am the answer. I'm <laughs> too arrogant. Okay, confident. I really thought you were going to say it's because of things like that. And she's just so, eh, we don't want to invite <laughs> her anymore. <laughs> oh, wait, have I mentioned I'm not very confident? Megan's okay. the arrogant one. So. No, but I was thinking about um, maybe it's more the interaction with the dragon. Like, I just found that whole scene so fun and how the dragon mm-hmm. was just kind of like, no, no. Let's entertain this. Like this, uh, I liked that it wasn't just you know a dumb dragon that was all about you know gold or whatever, but he was just very reasonable, thoughtful character. <laughs> I think you just insulted Craig like underhandedly. That's uh, I'll, I'll go back gold. and listen. I I I, I didn't catch it. <laughs> okay, it's like I feel like all of a sudden this <laughs> Hobbit reference because Craig's facial expression changed when you said that. Oh no, <laughs> actually. <laughs> It was the opposite. It just made me think of The Hobbit in a really great way. Well, they have another reference to The Hobbit, and now I can't think of it, and that's kind of a, oh, it's the go away and never come back. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I giggled so hard. Um, Yeah, I just, I, 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 the only character I thought was forgettable was probably Soleil. I keep, I kept lumping her with Anne. I had a hard time figuring out who was which a lot of the time. Um, Until, weirdly, they got to the point where Tress asked the dragon, you know, for a boon. And she ended up giving these three to her friends. And I was like, oh, those are OK. It's not Anne's dad, but Anne is the one who cares about the kid. Like, it was just they didn't necessarily have interactions that I really noticed a ton mm. except for Fort. And there's I, I liked that scene quite a bit as well because of those boons mm-hmm. where uh, I, I think I don't think that Tress was being really strategic about it. <laughs> right. It's just who she is. She wanted to do something she for was, her friends. She and was she thinking didn't about her anything. friends first. Um, and her boon was, thanks for getting rid of Crow for me. I'm out. Like, yeah. that's all I needed, you know? And so then she does nice things for her crew and just cements them to her mm-hmm. forever. You know, again, not cynically, not like strategically. It's just, do nice things for people and uh, it can come back to you. So yeah, I really like that too. And yes, it was very much a smog scene and I loved it and it was, <laughs> was delightful. It's, so. I'm, I might burst some blood vessels in somebody's eye listening to this somewhere, but don't do it. Don't. I, well, it burst I don't know what, now I'm worried about what he's thinking it I'm going to do. Craig's. <laughs> no, I, we know dragons steal there are dragons referred to multiple oh, times. It's okay. that are we getting our first taste of what dragons and what things are that are going to be at further ah. down the way? We finally have a dragon in the Cosmere. Like, is this, are we starting to see what that's going to look like? And like, someone may be like, yes, we know that. That's how it's going to be there. Or that's not the right type of dragon. You're talking about like, I don't know, but I know dragons are going to play a factor in this. So to see one and to have them interact this way tells me that dragons are high sentient type beings that are going to like be very very powerful in ways of not just blowing fire like that's based <laughs> on that planet yeah yeah so i thought you were going to do a tolkien thing and or maybe I talk would, about the hobbit movies i or... would not dare sir i wouldn't <laughs> dare tread upon holy ground with these hobbit desecrated feet <laughs> oh man uh for longtime listeners they remember how hairy ryan's feet are but uh, <laughs> For those who are new, Ryan, do me a favor and don't hold them up to the camera. Uh, Megan's like, I want to see. And that's $8 on OnlyFans. So. Noted. <laughs> and you have to have... No, Her foot. 
No, I'll give you both. Huh, thank you. So <laughs> I, here's my pick. I liked a lot of the people that we're actually with on the ship that you guys have already mentioned. Um, and by the way, every time you say Oolong, I think you're going to say Oolong tea uh, every <laughs> See, time. Every time we talk about Tress of uh, the Emerald Sea, I think Hans of the Southern Isles. And I just <laughs> then let Maybe it go in my head. It's there forever. I really, well, I struggle because I'm a, I've been reading the book, The Princess Bride for like 30 years. And I'm a bit. And uh, so when he's like, oh, I based this on The Princess Bride. I was like, I see it in the first couple of chapters. I see it more as I go along, but I just, yeah. I get the reference but also I was like, don't tell me that because then I think about that and that book is perfect. So anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my my pick for an interesting side character is actually one that we never meet and that's the previous Spore Master. Uh, oh. And this is, it's a technique that is used frequently, uh, but I, I love it. I, I don't know if you'd call it a trope. I, I don't know if it quite gets to the level of a trope, but the idea that a previous character's, um, uh, well, a, a previous character's character, for lack of a better word, informs our main character's journey. Mm -hmm. And so that person's curiosity, that person's dedication, that person's uh, interest in this subject kind of sparks that in our main character. And so we need, or Brandon needs as an author, he, need, he needs a way to get Tress some of this info and he can't have another spore master on the boat right so you got to have the last person whatever so i get that there's a measure of convenience there but it's uh it's a technique in storytelling that i have always really liked and there's that sense there's the convenience that i've talked about but there's also that sense that oh th this is a world with people who come and go who live and die um and it's a, it's a nice touch. That's I guess I'll leave it there because we are starting to run a little bit long. But uh, okay, is uh, is Charlie a side character? Oh boy! Like that was going to be my question. I'm like Huck. I feel like he's yeah Huck Charlie, Charlie is. Huck Huck is not okay because I, <laughs> I like I wanted to mention him then but I feel like he's a bigger character than that. He's it depends on whether you separate the characters. I think if you say True. Charlie and Huck as one through the whole thing once you realize that they are one and the same which i'll admit i did not catch as early as i probably should have um i nah, think I, I didn't catch it either. i didn't either like i think that that yeah he's a secondary character if you combine the two but if you don't then and let huck be its own kind of unique character in that experience of until you know that then mm -hmm. then charlie's yeah he's a tertiary he's yeah. a uh charlie mcguffin so mm. <laughs> i uh huck is an interesting character and, and let me come at this in a roundabout way. I know I've said this before. Some people are probably tired of it, but I just, I'm going to put this marker down a whole bunch of times so that when Nintendo finally greenlights the movie with this idea, I get to collect a whole bunch of, uh, you know, back end royalties. But uh, there's your old OnlyFans title, Ryan. Back end royalties. Back end royalty. <laughs> uh, no, what was I? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm getting such the coronation. a coronation. We did have the coronation today, so. <laughs> oh, I missed it, and I'm so sad. Okay. Uh, so, uh, when we finally get uh, a screen adaptation, a live action adaptation of The Legend of Zelda, people are like, how are they ever going to do that? And my answer is always the uh, Skyward Sword game. And for those familiar with it, you follow Link as you always do. You fight as Link and you, you, you're chasing after Princess Zelda. But then you find out in the post credits or during the credits, I should say, 
you get all these images and clips of Zelda having her own parallel adventure as Link is like chasing after her and trying to help her and save her, whatever. Oh. She's on her own adventure and, and having her own growth and having her own uh, issues and resolutions. And Huck, sorry, anyway, my point being, sorry, if we ever get an adaptation, they should do a Legend of Zelda adaptation from Zelda's perspective in that story. And Link becomes the character who pops in and out. He's the side character. So there you go. Oh, I like that. Uh, Hollywood, give me a call. Uh, anyway, Huck in this story, I feel like is kind of similar in a way where we find out, oh, Charlie's been here the whole time. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and then you realize we caught up with him after a whole bunch of adventure. His, you know, the whole going around to different islands as a suitor, uh, getting traded off to the freaking sorceress mm -hmm. and you know, getting cursed and then finding his way to the ship and all this stuff. It's this whole grand adventure that's only ever implied. Uh, and it's really fun to think about, oh man, Charlie must have, he's been through it. Yeah. So what a character, uh, or at least what a what a possibility there, I guess. Well, and it's funny because at the beginning he talks about how, yeah, no, I'm not very interesting and I'm not very smart and I'm going to bore all of these women so that they don't want to marry me. <laughs> and then at the end, it turns out he's actually a really good storyteller because I, I the second time I was reading it, I knew that um, Charlie was Huck and it was really fun to like listen to his interactions and the things that he would tell her. And so, you know, the one time when they stop and Captain Crow won't let Tress off the ship. So Charlie like tells her the people that he saw and the, the experiences that he had. It's adorable. Like it's so cute. He's telling her all of these stories and they're not boring. They're really fun. So we better wrap up. I want to wrap up by doing two things. I want to ask you guys about the ending. Uh, and then I want to end with the beginning because a lot of people on Discord have mentioned that that is their favorite thing about the book is the first four sentences so we'll get there in just a moment uh but what did you guys think of the ending um for my part like i said earlier i felt like it kind of dragged in the second act uh, it, the the time spent on the ship in the emerald sea i felt like there was a lot of that and the crimson sea and the midnight sea were more interesting to me um and i really really wish that he'd spent more time there um, or I, either that or less time in the Emerald Sea, you know, balance it out a little bit. And so by the time we get to the end, it's like, what, two chapters, <laughs> three chapters, maybe mm -hmm. in the Midnight Sea, this place that we've been building up to um, and, and wanting to get to and uh, hearing stories about and rumors and all that stuff. And then we get there and it's like, ah, yeah, nah, everything's fine because we got to move. Um, <laughs> it, so it was it felt a little bit anticlimactic to me, while at the same time, I, I should say anticlimactic for this story in a way, or unfulfilling in a way, while being immensely fulfilling from a Cosmere perspective. Sure. So much stuff is revealed. <laughs> oh my gosh, if you're not up to date on your Cosmere lore, you, a lot of this is just gonna go right over your head, right? So, I am up to date and it still went over my head. Right. Yeah, I kind of wish I'd read it without knowing any of the Cosmere stuff because as it was, I read the whole book and like those last couple of chapters going, what is, the, I know this is something, but I'm not sure. And then I'd have to, you know, use my brain a lot harder than I wanted to or actually look it up. And I like, I'm, I'm kind of with you where I felt like the ending just happened really fast. And I think that's part of why I feel so meh about the whole thing. 
Mm. Is that it's like it has these really fun characters. It starts off really well. Sure, I struggle with Hoyd, but he's funny in it. Um, and then it just like I I've I had to read the ending again today because I could not remember what happened to the sorceress. <laughs> yeah. Like it just kind of like all of a sudden in three paragraphs, she's like, oh, go away. And she's like, what? Okay. Uh, all right. Apparently she goes off in a rocket ship. Didn't catch that. I'm really struggling. Yes. You know, I had to have Ryan explain the ending to me. I was like, I don't think I caught what happened. <laughs> I love the epilogue where you find out that um, like they buy a new ship and they call it Two Cups, which is adorable. And they go back to the rock and the king has made this decree that anybody who lives there for 20 years gets like this amazing stipend. So people actually enjoy living there and they make it like <laughs> worth living at. Which I thought was fun. Also, the Duke's wife left him, which I think he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Ending. Any other thoughts, guys? I don't. Oh, it's been a couple months since I've read this, so I I don't recall a lot of. You know, I remember enjoying it, finishing up with a smile on my face, enjoying that. Um, but in terms of longevity as to the actual events, I don't remember a whole lot of it, yeah. which is interesting. So I mean, that says something about the ending by itself. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. Like it. It just we're, didn't didn't have yeah, the long term staying power. We're, we're getting to that age, Ryan. Yes, it's, in one ear and out the other. Uh, yeah, well, don't Brian, yeah. mark quality on my memory. That's <laughs> that is not a good <laughs> measurement of quality. But Brandon is usually so good at endings. Like I was kind of disappointed in this one. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's uh, but not everything can be a home run, right? <gasps> yeah. uh, I I mean, <laughs> this, this ending was wasn't nearly the calamitous ending that calamity was uh you know so there there are worse but um yeah not not as strongest i think that's fair i think that's fair um any other thoughts or should we talk about the beginning to end this episode i'll just say i was excited to see midnight essence oh that's true i'm excited like i said like cosmere Cosmere wise yeah lots lots of stuff to get excited about in the ending uh okay so i'm going to open up my copy of the book here uh, chapter one in black. Sorry to the person who wanted it to be in green, but it is in black. Uh, it, people were saying the first four sentences of the story were some of the best they ever heard, um, or some of the best that Brandon has written at least. And so we'll let people judge for themselves. In the middle of the ocean, there was a girl who lived upon a rock. This was not an ocean like one you have imagined, nor was the rock like one you have imagined. The girl, however, might be as you imagined, assuming you imagined her as thoughtful, soft-spoken, and overly fond of collecting cups. Oh, and that's it's adorable. it's so fairy tale. Mm-hmm. It kind of it sets you up for exactly what you're getting into. Something fairy tale and whimsical. So yeah. overall, if it helps, like so, just as this, I don't know, plug for it, I guess. I've been listening to this in the car with my nine-year-old, mm. and he is loving the pirate story. So I think that that might say something for Brandon as well, like introducing, because I wouldn't really have my nine-year-old read really practically anything else he's written Cosmere-wise, because I think it's just too big for him. I've been trying. But he is really gravitating towards this. So I appreciate Brandon stretching and writing a fairy tale that I can share something that both me and Ryan are passionate about, Brandon Sanderson's books, with my son. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, overall, we can talk about uh, the ending maybe wasn't his strongest ever, but this was, I thought, a really good marriage of his Cosmere stuff with his 
young reader mm-hmm. material. Mm-hmm. His Skyward, his uh, Reckoners, uh, he's a little more finessed. He doesn't try quite as hard to beat you over the head with his terrible, terrible sense of humor. Um, it's there, but it's more hoity and less lifty. Uh, so, oh. <laughs> oh, no. sorry, Ryan. I like lift. I do too. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, there are lots of things about about it that I find really strong. So I quite enjoyed it overall. Uh, and you guys are going to lose your mind over the next secret project or three. So look forward to it. The, I've already I'm, read I'm the, about halfway through the, the second one. Yeah, or I've already read the second one. There you go. So. Well, for everybody else, thank you so much for listening. Go to the go to thelegendarium.com and just click on every link you find there. Just do me a favor. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, legendarium.com. I'm tired of talking, so we're going to go. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming <laughs> on, guys. Have a good one. Have fun storming the castle. But anyway, this week I got hired on as on-air talent, just on-air talent. That was my only job. It's so hard. Let me tell you, that is the sweetest, easiest gig (laughs) of all time. (laughs) Stand here, read that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With some energy. Done. (laughs) Six hours of that. uh, You know, I was tired at the end of the day, but I was like, the hell was I doing writing all this time? <laughs> this is so much easier. Okay, yeah. it's it's also less lucrative. But He's slowly becoming an actor. <laughs> <laughs> He's day. a spokesmodel now. Yeah, spokesmodel, Craig. That's uh, that's right. You know what? I would be a great smoke spokesmodel. Spokesmodel. <laughs> yeah, you would for beer. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, I'm not exactly, I'm neither a sexy lady nor a Clydesdale, so, well, I work with what I got. (laughs)